Welcome to the HeartStrong Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lindbergh. Like many of you, I'm living a life that I just did not expect. And over the years, I've come to value the idea of living HeartStrong, of growing through the challenges in my life, and let's face it, the challenges in our times. And I'm on a mission to help you do the same. So each week, I talk to thought leaders, authors, experts, and everyday amazing people who have something to teach us all about living fully amidst our struggles. I have learned so much from others along my journey, and so I hope that my guests will help you on yours. Let's get started. So welcome to the final episode of season three of the HeartStrong podcast. And today I've asked my husband, Eric, to join me here on the podcast. And we are going to talk about five things that we have learned or realized in the last 10 years since our son Ethan died. So for those of you who don't know, our son Ethan was born with a rare congenital heart defect, and he died when he was seven, um, needing a new heart, needing a heart transplant that he was not eligible for. And so we spent seven years in and out of the hospital with him, raising our other kids. And um, really, we got seven years with an awesome kid. And we've lived 10 years without him, and it's been really hard. And we've also found many gifts along the way. And so today, we wanted to share some of those with you. You know, one of the impetuses for doing this is is about a week and a few days ago, there was a shooting in Uvalde, Texas, and 19 children died. And I think one of the things that hit me the hardest is just thinking about the families and knowing personally how hard it is to work through the grief of missing your child. And so we thought maybe these five lessons would be our little gift to the world of what we have learned and that maybe it would help others. So Eric, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm glad that you're here. Um, This will be good. I think that we have a lot of things to share. What do you think? I think so. I think so too. So let's get started. We'll dive into the first one. So the first lesson is the only way is through. So Eric, why don't you tell everyone like what that means to you? Yeah, I'll I'll try to try to make the concepts easy. And I think that the the concept would be for me is that when you have a terrible loss, like we lost our son, that it's just overwhelming. And and I would recommend, you know, the, the only way is through, you have to work through it. So for example, Jessica and I met with Tom Zuba, who's a, a life coach, life grief coach. And we worked with him for 18 months. And you have to question everything, at least we did. And we had to work through it. I, I think I would venture to guess that people in life don't work through the grief and it kind of haunts them for the rest of their life. And I, we like to say that Tom expedited our grief. Now, mm-hmm. am I still sad? Yes, of course. But uh, I think we worked through it for 18 months and and it was really a, really a gift that Tom gave us. He's, um, you know, he's a very open person and very well read and had considered a lot of the questions that we were asking and challenged me and challenged Jessica. And uh, there's a lot of, a lot of really interesting things there. So in my life, I'd say that Tom Zuba is a, a very special person who, who helped kind of change my life. And um, so when, so my advice to everybody out there is, is to work through it. And it, Trust me, it's not easy, and I, I'm not saying that it is, but that's uh, something I can tell you after 
my son dying in 2012 is that when you have a grief issue um, that's very close to you that you have to work through it. Yeah. And I think it's, we, we had to make that choice, right? Because it, you can only avoid it for so long and then it just like infiltrates every area of your life. Yes. Yeah. I, I think that people, you know, I have no authority to make comments for anybody else, but I just observe that maybe some people don't work through it and they take up other bad habits like drinking or other things. And, you know, I think it's important to work through it with someone who you trust and and that the the gifts are there waiting for you. Mm-hmm. And after, you know, what does it be, 10 years ago, I'm a different person from, from that. Yeah. And I think you say this often. You say, you know, I'm happy and sad every day. And I, I love that because it's the truth, you know. And, I, and, and part of the only way is through is that you we've learned to integrate our sadness and our happiness into our life because it's both. I think that the that the way through you learn that it's an integration. It's that Ethan is part of our life and we miss him and we're so thankful that he came. And and I think that that has like ebbed and flowed, you know, over the last ten years. I think I was just I wrote a couple of things down before we had the the call here. I think uh, immediately following the death of your son, uh, our son. Uh, People, and I don't blame them, there's there's really no good words and people use some non-good words. And then after a month or two, when maybe you look semi-rested and, you know, present yourself as taking a shower, they, you know, I've had, I had some people say, oh, you're okay now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm perfect. I'm perfectly great now. Right. And you're not. I'm not. And, and, and what I like to say, and, and it was more at the immediate Beginning stage, I, I liked would tell Jessica, I'm happy and sad all on the same day. Mm-hmm. And that's still true for me. I guess it's a little bit less poignant as it was acute at the mm-hmm. time. But I'm I'm more happy now. We just kind of talked about this, too. I'm more happy now that he came. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit different 10 years later. Mm-hmm. So the only way is through is our first advice. So if you're facing the death of someone you love or you're missing your, your, the physical presence of your child, we encourage you to go through it and to find people to help you and to ask the hard questions and to read the books and to, to, to really, um, we want to give you a vision that you can work through this. I think that's, that's our hope for people. So number two um, of our five lessons is invest in your relationship. And Eric, that was yours. You came up with that one. So tell us about why that's important to you. I don't think I can speak for all the fine gentlemen out there in the world, but uh, I think for me, surprisingly, it became acutely obvious or apparent to me that to save my relationship with my wife, I had to work on it. And I um, really tried to listen a lot more than I did. And I really worked on it hard. And I worked on it with Tom. And with Tom Zuba, like we had a session by myself and then one with Jessica, I had one with him. And then we came together. So we did have some kind of rough stuff in there and that was good. But I, I thought that it was really important. And it still is to me today, one of my main things is to try to commu- communicate better uh, with my wife and um you know we Jessica did several through the foundation several moms retreats and we talked about 
we talked about doing some dad's retreats, but it's, it's kind of hard to capture some of the, the husbands. So, um, it was something I purposely did. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, men and women, people grieve differently and they need space to be able to do that, I think, in, in their lives. And, and, you know, you've said this before, like women are more open and they want to talk about more things. Right. And guys aren't, and this we're making huge generalizations here, but, you know, oftentimes aren't as comfortable with that. Right. Yeah. These are just my observations. Like just, <laughs> I have a tendency to close off and not want to say much. And I think probably a lot of my peers are probably the same way. Uh, and I think that Jessica in our situation, she wanted to talk about it a lot. So I really purposely had to listen and had to engage with Tom and, and really made an effort towards investing in our relationship because I, I just knew that that was Jessica was the most important uh, thing and still is for me. Yeah. And I think the other piece that is true too in a relationship is that grief infiltrates every area of your life. So you're crabby because you're sad or you're snappy because you're sad or you're, you know, something else goes wrong in your life or, and you're stressed about it, but it's actually like triple stressful because of your sadness. And I think naming that in a relationship is really important because it's not always just because of the other person, you're just sad. Right. I mean, you're just really sad. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're I think one thing, too, from initially after, you know, had just gone through this huge traumatic thing for us. It played out for many years. So no sleep and all kinds of stress and um, you're tired. And I think that grief after someone passes away for us, it was debilitating. Mm we have some other children and we, it's hard to remember some of the events that occurred. Mm -hmm. It was just all encompassing and you're exhausted. So yeah, on top of all that and trying to operate a normal life and pay your bills and clean yeah, your house and do all the things. It's, it's overwhelming. So for me, I real simple, I chose to, to really focus on my wife because that was and is the most important thing for me. And I think it's important to say too, like not every relationship works out. You know, and that is that's the reality, too. But but we do think that um, there is an opportunity to work through it together. And we want to encourage people to to do that. Yeah. A lot of my comments are just from my own perspective. I just, I just like to say that I I can't say speak for everyone. But but for me personally, that was my intent. And uh, it's worked so far. <laughs> we'll see. OK, so number three of our five lessons is that we would do it again. So, you know, we were talking about this and, and coming up with these, and I think we both came to this, like it was all worth it. You know, it was really hard. So Ethan lived for seven years. He spent cumulatively two of those years in a hospital, a thousand miles from our house. Like it impacted our other children and our finances and our work and our careers. And I mean, the list is endless. And, he 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 changed everything in the best way. Yeah, I, I guess the question that Jessica and I asked ourselves, we saw we saw this movie. It's it, you know, without providing all the detail, I think it's called Arrival. And essentially it was a science fiction movie where the um, the aliens change, you know, that they, they could move time and space. And so essentially the main character knew that her daughter was gonna die. 
but yet she still wanted to go through and raise her child. And if I had the same opportunity with my son and I knew that he was going to die, I would, I would do it again, even though it was hard. There was still a lot of joy in that. And I was happy he came, you know, we talk a lot about that Ethan came for his segment and we're happy that he came and made such an impact. And that's, um, that's just how I view, or I guess Jessica and I view it. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that there aren't ripple effects, right. Of him being sick and being in the hospital so much and, (laughs) and all the things that I think it's really important to say that. I mean, it's easy to say, maybe you would say, Oh, it's easy for you to say that now I'm in the middle of hell with my person. And we've been there. I mean, we have been in the middle of it. I think what we're saying is that now looking back, we are thankful for the struggle. We're thankful for the hard times. We have seen so many gifts that he has brought to our life as imperfect as it is um, that make us who we are today. And, and that, and so we wouldn't, we wouldn't trade it. Oh, it was, it was tough. You know, the, uh, not this is too relevant, but Ethan and I had a little bit of a contract where, you know, whatever happened that I would go with him, I'd, go with them on the, the airplane or in the ambulance or stay in the hospital or, you know, go into the ER and explain to some, some doctor who would freak out that he has hypoplastic left heart and, you know, shoo us off to some focus center. So yeah, that that's all hard stuff. And, you know, when, when particularly in my life, when something gets hard, which it normally does, <laughs> I, uh, I think back of how brave my son was and, all the things that he endured and we endured. And I think to myself that, uh, you know, if he can do that, then I can do this. So, Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's true. I think yeah. he teaches us that, that we could do it again. So number four, that's the next one we have of our five lessons, is that the relationship continues. And this is actually one of my favorite ones, um, that – you know, when we were investigating the going through, we had to ask ourselves, like, where is Ethan? And what do we believe about where he is? You know, we all grow up with beliefs about life after death or faith or God. And and, and then when something like this happens to you, I mean, you're going to ask yourself a lot of questions. (laughs) And that's really important part of the journey. Um, But for us, it's like we found Ethan. I remember Tom saying this, just like you'll find Ethan smack dab in the middle of all of it. And and we really have. And so we feel like Ethan is with us. And so we thought we'd share a couple stories um, that personify, you know, that the relationship continues. So do you want to share the one about Bob Marley in the hospital? Yeah. Yeah. So this is um, maybe maybe give you a little background. So. Ethan was in the in the hospital over his life a lot, and in the last last year of his life, he spent 13 months in inside uh, two different hospitals. In, in any event, we had a lot of fun while he was in the hospital <laughs> in the ICU. Not many normal kids will blare um, Bob Marley throughout <laughs> the cardiac ICU through all hours of the day and the night. <laughs> so he loved Bob Marley, and and he was just an amazing artist and person. And so essentially, um, on Ethan's last surgery, they tried to, well, whatever. He, the day that Ethan died, um, it's, it's all, it is an awful experience. You know, you have your child who's gone, who's laying on the table. And then 
things change and they draw the curtains and all the bad things. And eventually after you say your goodbyes, they, they put them in a casket or they put them in, or in they, the morgue, the they take them down to the morgue. And so you never knew the morgue was in the basement of the hospital, never, never wanted to know where it was. And so we walked down. It was the day after he died. Was we, it? Yeah, we wanted to go see him. And the social worker was the day. It wasn't the day. It was, was the, the day, day after. after. It was the morning. And she was like, you don't want to do that. You know, it would be traumatic. And we were like, listen, we've been through a lot with this kid. We want to see his body. Yeah. And so we went down and saw him. Yeah. Right. People choosing. Yeah. People choosing for what's good for us. I, you have to choose what's good for yourself, I guess. But but anyway, the but the best part about the story is we were in the, the bottom of the basement and we were nobody was around and we were walking down a long hallway after we had seen him. And this person came down the hallway who looked identical to Bob Marley with outfit and everything. Dreads past his shoulders. I mean he was literally Eric and I are walking one way and he's walking towards us. And I whispered to Jessica, I said, I think that's Bob Marley. <laughs> and uh, so I think, you know, believe anything you want. But for Jessica and I, that was Ethan, so to speak. It was walk, like a sign. Sign walking towards us, Bob or Ethan or somebody. I don't know. But they were walking <laughs> at us. And and I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. So, And I think it sparked in us like, hmm, I wonder what that's all about. Like yeah. we didn't know at the time, but we were kind of like, that's interesting. Yeah, I think uh, – so this this the the next maybe we we'll talk about the next the burning bush, and so maybe I'll set this one up. Okay, go ahead. And then maybe you can finish it. But, sure. So, anyways, we talked about how we saw Tom Zuba. So one night we were with we were with um, Tom and it's Jessica and I, and Jessica's irate. She says, uh, "You know, I need to know. I need a burning bush." of that Ethan is okay in heaven and I need him to tell me and I need God to tell me right now. He needs to tell me right now. And then what happened? So we're, we're, we're talking about this burning bush that I've decided that I want. No, no, not want. Need. Demanded. Demanded. I demanded Demanded it. Yes. From God. Yes. I demanded it. And so we're sitting there and I hear my phone ding, like there's a, a text message, which I didn't check at the time. And so we finished our session with Tom and we get into our car and I open the text message. So mind you, this text message came through at the time that I'm demanding this burning bush. Demanding. And I open the text and it's from Kayla, who was a nanny of ours through Ethan's life. And she spent time with us, a lot of time with us when he was in the hospital. She gave a lot of herself to Ethan. And she was now watching some other children for another family. And a little boy had picked out a book for her to read to him before bed. And it was a book about a boy named Ethan. And this is, she sent me this screenshot of the last picture in the book. And I printed it out so I could read you the exact words. And this is what it said. It said, the stars were right, said Ethan, as he begins to dance beneath the glowing sky. They belong in the sky. That is their home. Now they are happy. And Ethan is happy too. <laughs> so, I mean, you can take that for what you want. But for me, I could not have made that up in a million years. And I felt like that was my burning bush. Like Ethan was saying, mom, I am happy. I am okay. Um, and that was probably a pretty big turning point. Like I still didn't like the fact that he wasn't there, but 
I was starting to pay attention into accept the signs and the things that were that were presented to us. Yeah, I think that if I remember correctly, I think we this goes into belief. So this is just our beliefs, but we, you know, read a lot of books, a lot of different scenarios, whatever. But I think that someone, whatever you believe, when they when they die, I think that they're fine. They're they're happy. They're probably more worried about us. And so uh, I don't know. God or Ethan sent a text message to Jessica, let him know that he was okay. And because um, I mean, I kid you not, this she was irate and demanding, and um, slamming her fist down to God. And um, so this is a big deal. Yeah, and I think that that's you know, as a mother, we care for our children and we feed them and make sure they're safe. And and when your kid is no longer with you, it's like you want to know who's doing that. How how does that all work? I still don't know the answer to that, but I do think that I know that Ethan is happy. And I also want to say that Ethan wants us to be happy. He doesn't, he doesn't want his family or his parents who he loves so much to be here just miserable in life. And so I think that is also an important message that I want to share with people today is that if you are missing someone you love, I believe, and again, these are my beliefs that they want you to be happy, that they don't want you to live a miserable life, that they want you to find joy. And so I think that even though we are happy and sad, like we said, we really make an effort to try to choose joy in our life when we can. And we, we make a conscious effort to do that because Ethan did. Yeah, Tom, I remember this is after I had worked with Tom and I saw him and I I had some stuff going on and I was just I, I was miserable. And Tom's like, well, how are you? I said, I'm miserable. I really am. I'm just miserable. And uh, Tom said to me, you know, God doesn't, you know, God didn't want you to be, Ethan doesn't want you to be miserable. God doesn't want you to be miserable. Like, you don't, you're here for this life experience. And so, you know, that stuck with me. And I think lately we've been talking about, you know, trying to choose a more joyful life. Because mm-hmm. um, it's, it's such a, for all of us, just, I mean, at least for our family, it's a lot of hard. Sometimes work. it's a lot hard. of hard work, and it's yeah. not always fun. But you know, you can you can decide to be upset all the time or angry, and trying to be joyful is is a, is a choice, I think. And trying to work at it is not easy, but uh, something we're working at. We're we're a work in process. <laughs> That's I, right. At least we're, I am. Yes, we are. And yeah, it is hard to choose joy. I mean, I think that, but it's possible, and I think that we we we're conscious about it. Right. And I think it's and I don't think joy and happiness are the same thing. You don't always feel that, but you can still choose it. Yeah. So for us, the relationship still continues. It's still uh, with us. We still have birthdays and Mm -hmm. um, think about them, you know, think about the hard, talk about them, have hard days, try to introduce Ethan to his brothers that didn't know him or didn't remember. And we had a video the other day that we shared with our our middle son who, who didn't really know him and so to hear his voice was a was a cool really really cool, really cool thing i mean it, at the same time it's hard to see him not growing up and other kids who would be set who are 17 who we know you know you're very happy for them but uh it's yeah it's painful too but um but anyway the relationship I, continues yeah okay so our fifth lesson that we have for you today is that it's important to live a purposeful life. 
And this is probably maybe one of our most important ones of the five. I mean, they're all important, but this has probably played out the most in our life. And, you know, I'm excited about this one. Yeah. So you, you go ahead. You you share about living a purposeful life, why that's like so important to you. Well, um, well, let me, let me, before I do that, I, I just want to say that there was, I, if I can, I start this way about the gifts, about some of the gifts of Ethan. Sure. The gifts for me is that I would never, my life would have been woefully, it would have been materially different. And I have met with Jessica and with Ethan, the most amazing heart families, the most amazing doctors from all over the world, uh, nurses, um, friends, friends, and, children. Yeah. And just other people being gen- so many generous people. And it is, my world is so much bigger because of him. And I just think that, that it's uh, such a gift. And so, you know, after, you know, Ethan passed, we wanted to really do something purposeful, the foundation and, but we're going to talk about a bunch of those things, but it's just, a, it's, it, it is, it is amazing the life that we have that for the people that we met and, and the things that we have done and will do. So. Yeah. And I think that, you know, Ethan lived for seven years and I think we're very conscious about the gift of time. We're conscious about the gift of a healthy body. Um, we're conscious about, how we use our time and our resources and who we spend our time with. And, you know, we, Eric and I are very social. We love people. We love to get out and have fun. Um, but we're also very conscious of how we spend our free time because we want it to be purposeful. Um, we want our resources that we have to be used in purpose. We want our, we, we're advocates, things that you all see and things that you all don't see that we do. Um, it's important that we are advocating for families and for children and for people that, you know, maybe don't have the same opportunities that we do. Um, Ethan really taught us, you know, that we kind of belong to one another as humans and that that we're here for, for a short time and that we want to be about the things we're here to do. Yeah, I would, I, once again, back to kind of this, uh, we also talked about these life-shifting events. I think that mm-hmm. a lot of discussion about that uh, after someone has a, I don't want to call it a traumatic or some, what do we call it? A, just a major impact in their mm-hmm. life that I think they think about life differently. Um, mm-hmm. So for us, we, we don't have much social time. So when we do, we choose very wisely for that. Um, with, with our kids, you know, we really, for example, really encourage them to focus on doing something that they love and, and with their life. And Jessica and I are both really driven to the fact of doing something that we enjoy and, and how we can help others. I mean, I think that that is our, um, you know, trying to figure out what your purpose in life is. And I think that evolves and changes over time, right? We we have experiences. And so I think it's about paying attention to your life and to your experience and challenging yourself to spend your time wisely, right? And to spend your resources wisely. And to, you know, there's so many things that, especially as parents, you know, with young kids and teenagers and, you know, we really want to model the importance of a purposeful life because there's so many distractions for them. 
and we don't do a perfect job at all, <laughs> but, um, but we want them to know that it's important to, to make an impact and to, and to live a life, not just for yourself, but for other people. Yeah. I, I think the, the foundation is, is it, it ebbs and flows with different areas of interest and in helping people. So it's all about helping people like right now, we thought we could be helpful with these five lessons that we've learned. And um, I think that's the definition of wisdom that, you know, you read a book or, you know, we go on the backs of our forefathers, so to speak, of everything they've built or learned and we try to learn. So I, I guess this is these five things are maybe a gift to whoever's listening to the podcast. And I think that you might reconsider how you think about living your life. After you have this event, are you going to do something different? Mm -hmm. And um, are you going to numb it? Or are you going to go through it? I'm not saying I'm not. I, I'm, I will tell you right now, I'm imperfect. I am flawed. But we do generally, or for me personally, I do try to 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 have a good, have a purpose. And I, you know, probably by default, I spend most of my time with my, um, you know, immediate and extended family, which is which is. Uh, where we spend our time and now a lot of sporting events. Too. <laughs> That's true. Mm -hmm. We do spend a lot of time with that. So, so and to watch and to watch a son, we have two sons, we have, we have three sons, but two of our sons are able to compete in the sports and to watch them is uh, really a, a gift. gift. Yeah. To watch our son Blake run and our son Chase play basketball is never lost on me. The gift of healthy bodies, brains, hearts. It's, it's a gift. So today we shared with you five lessons that we've learned over the last 10 years since our son Ethan has, has passed. And we hope that they are a gift for you, that maybe you heard something in our words, maybe just one or two things that um, that you can take on your journey. So just to recap real quick, um, the five lessons are the only way is through was number one. Number two, we encourage you to invest in your relationship with your spouse, your partner, Number three, we would do it all over again. Number four, the relationship continues. And number five, live a purposeful life. So thank you for joining us here on the HeartStrong Podcast. Thanks, Eric, for being part of this conversation. Thank you for asking me, Jessica. Yeah. Very, very honored. <laughs> You're always supportive. And we hope that you enjoyed season three of the HeartStrong Podcast. This has been a lot of fun. And we will be, we will be back late August, early September with our next season. Thank you for joining me here on the HeartStrong Podcast. Please rate and review this podcast and share an episode that you love with a friend. And when you do, it helps us continue our mission of encouraging people to grow through the challenges in their lives. This podcast is brought to you by the Ethan Lindbergh Foundation and the HeartStrong Collective. To learn more about our work, please visit theheartstrong.com. We'll see you back here next week for another episode of the HeartStrong Podcast.